Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls, Alliance Defending Freedom, protecting your God-given right to live and speak the truth, and Wilson Financial Advisors, over 50 years of financial expertise and success. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on their banners to visit their websites. And now here are your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. Back with another week of the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast with all of the guys, Neil and Roger and John, myself, Bob. Hey guys, how are you? Good, Bob. Thank you. Wow, it's great talking with you. And this week, here's what we're going to talk about. The, the state of America. Right? What is going on in this country, in America? How unrecognizable is America getting in so many different areas from Christians and conservatives and pro-lifers being denied their rights and freedoms, having the government weaponized against them, uh, the, the elections themselves, the corruption of them, election integrity, can we even trust elections? And so there, there does come a point where we're like, I don't even recognize this country anymore. We're going to talk about some of these areas in the first half. Then in the second half, we're going to move this into a larger discussion and a pretty heavy discussion about does there ever become a time when maybe we as believers in Christ need to take up arms against the United States to, to engage in rebellion against this country? I say, oh, that, that could be impossible. How could we ever consider such a thing? But remember, our founding fathers did that. They rebelled against Great Britain. There came a point well, that was a justifiable thing to do. I'm not saying we're at that place now, but what needs to happen for us to get to potentially that place? And as Christians, how do we how do we balance governing authorities with uh, America pretty much transforming into something that is extremely Christian unfriendly? So we'll have that discussion and debate in the second half of this podcast. As we as we do go through this podcast. We do want to remind you folks to support our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored. We very much appreciate the sponsorship of Preborn and of Wilson Financial and certainly Neil of Alliance Defending Freedom because especially when we look at the freedoms and liberties that are being denied Christians in this country, thankfully we've got Alliance Defending Freedom fighting in the courts on our behalf. Amen. And, you know, in many ways uh, things aren't looking good for freedom here in America, but Alliance Defending Freedom has won some major victories for liberty over the last decade and more. And that's why I want to ask you to consider giving $19 a month. It's only 63 cents a day by clicking on the ADF button at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. 20 years ago, Montana passed the Parental Notice of Abortion Act. It was a law that required abortionists to inform parents or legal guardians before performing an abortion on a minor. <clears throat> Excuse me. Of course, abortion providers challenged the law. Uh, and eventually the case ended up at the U.S. Supreme Court. Thanks to ADF, the Supreme Court upheld the law and ruled that Montana parents must be informed of their child's decision to seek an abortion. ADF took on the abortion industry. They fought and they won for parental rights. That deserves our support. And frankly, shockingly, the support for ADF from our listeners so far has been pretty meager at best. So listen, if you believe in freedom, Will you join us? $19 a month is all that we're asking to help protect and preserve the rights that are yours and mine that we hold so dear. And by the way, maybe it's time for somebody to step up and give a $1,000 gift or $5,000 or $10,000. Do something monumental to protect parental rights and freedom. Just click on the ADF button at CrawfordMediaGroup.net and thank God, Bob, for what they're doing to help protect our freedom. 
You know what? Freedom doesn't come free. I mean, I hate to say it, but it's it's not free. We've had soldiers that have given their lives on the battlefield to protect our freedoms. And you know, 19 bucks a month is just not a lot to ask for to have our freedoms and liberties protected. So no we thank you folks for doing that. So let's talk about in this first half some of the ways that America is becoming unrecognizable. And I just want to go through some of these examples, talk about them maybe one at a time. First of all, some of the latest things, the New Mexico governor, this liberal left-wing New Mexico governor, who, by the way, openly declares she doesn't think there should be any kind of limits on abortion right up to the moment of birth. Hey, no problem. But she's also really anti-gun. Okay, fine. So what does she do? She decides that she's going to exploit the murder, the shooting death of an 11-year-old boy in Albuquerque, Albuquerque, New Mexico. So as Rahm Emanuel famously said, never let a good crisis go to waste. So she uses that as an excuse to suspend the Second Amendment in Albuquerque and the entire county to basically say, you're not allowed to carry a gun to defend yourself, even if you're legally allowed to, even if you have a concealed carry. Nope, I'm suspending the Second Amendment. Now, her argument was, that, well, all of our rights are not absolute. You know, you don't have an absolute freedom of speech, for example. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, what an absurd argument. If somebody uses freedom of speech in an illegal way, like calling for the assassination of the president or fire in a crowded theater or whatever, that person used freedom of speech in an illegal way. That doesn't become an argument to say, therefore, you can deny people freedom of speech for political disagreements because, after all, we got to do something. No, that's absurd. But that's what she claimed. Well, anyway, federal judge shot it down. A Biden-appointed judge, by the way, shot it down. Good. And so what does she do? She modifies the ruling to say, well, okay, you can't take guns to parks and playgrounds. Meanwhile, the Democrat mayor made a fool out of her saying, uh, did you know we already passed that law three years ago? So, But this is just this effort to say now the Constitution itself, I've got the power to suspend this. Well, guys, I want to get your take on on this, obviously, and not just this particular case, but there's other cases we're going to talk about. As I do, though, and as we dive into this podcast, I just want to remind everybody, when we talk to you about things like the unborn, for example, and Roe v. Wade being overturned, as great as that is that it was overturned, don't forget, folks, the abortion industry is still running full steam ahead, and they're still killing babies left and right. And you can do something about it. You can partner with preborn. You can pay for ultrasound images of unborn babies so that those moms choose life when they see that ultrasound image. But it does take money to do that, folks. $28 is the average cost to stop one abortion through preborn, through ultrasound images. So we're asking you to prayerfully consider an amount, a dollar amount. Take $28 times fill in the blank. Whatever that number is, that's the number of abortions that you will stop the number of babies' lives you will save by paying for those ultrasound images. $28 stops one abortion. How many abortions would you be willing to stop? So here's what you do. Go online right now to crawfordmediagroup.net, click on preborn, and you can give right there. Crawfordmediagroup.net, click on preborn, and 100% of what you give goes to fund ultrasounds. Okay, And then if you want to give over the phone, they answer the phones 24-7. Just call right now, 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. Just mention National Crawford Roundtable when you call. And we appreciate you folks doing that. 
So uh, this suspending of the Second Amendment thing here, uh, let me just kind of throw this out on the table. And, and Neil, maybe we could start with you on this. Some of your thoughts on the Democrats, the progressives, the liberal left, they now have this attitude of if I don't like something that's even in the Constitution, I somehow have the power to suspend it. And I'm wondering, where does that stop? If you can suspend the Second Amendment, then why not suspend the First Amendment? Why not suspend anything else? It does seem this is part of the mentality of America turning into something completely different, that the Constitution holds no meaning anymore. Your, your thoughts on this? Well, I don't want to spill all the beans right now. I know we got a lot to talk about today. So I'll just kind of just general thoughts. I mean, should mm-hmm. we never, ever take up arms? I, I'm not a guy who wants to say the word never. I mean, some people say the Bills will never win the Super Bowl. Well, I want to believe that someday maybe they could. But my point is, um, there may be a time, there may be a place. I don't think we're anywhere near it, to be honest with you. But, you know, and the other thing is that we know scripturally that our wrestling match here isn't really with Democrats, and it's not with liberals or progressives. It's it, We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and the rulers of darkness, according to Ephesians 6.12. So I think we've got a long way to go before we get to that point. I think it's a valid conversation to have, but in no way do I want to be construed as saying that I think Christians ought to be taking up arms against people who don't want us to bear arms. I just, I think that's crazy. I think it's, it's off the rails kind of conversation right now. Sure. Well, and and actually, that's going to be the second half of the podcast conversation we have. Does there come a time where we take up arms against the United States? Uh, When when I look at cases like this, though, what she tried to do in New Mexico, and then other things. Uh, I mean, Roger, look at the California legislature. This is your this is your backyard. California legislature passed a bill ordering judges to consider parents who don't affirm their child's transgenderism. And if if a parent doesn't affirm that, then that means that that parent is risking the quote, health, safety, and welfare of that child. And so in custody disputes in in divorce cases, the judge has to factor that in and say, well, wait a minute, this parent is potentially an abusive parent because they're not affirming the gender confusion and transition of that child. This is scary what's going on. This passed the legislature, passed the House, passed it. Almost every Republican voted against it. Almost every Democrat voted for it. Uh, I don't know if Gavin Newsom has signed it yet. I I think he's probably planning on it. But uh, there's no way, Roger, this stays with just divorce custody cases. This is going to end up going to intact families where social services is called on some Christian family that's causing health, safety, and welfare risks to their child. You know, what people don't realize is that in the People's Republic of California, we have had a situation here for many, many years where the the, the state legislature has been in cahoots, if you will, with the Department of Social Services and Child Protective Services and things like that to, to actually advance this kind of a, a agenda. When it comes to kids in foster care, for example, I mean, the incidence of kids experiencing sexual trauma and then being placed in foster care and then, you know, having the the audacity to suggest that, well, these kids were all born transgender. I mean, a lot of kids are experiencing gender dysphoria. And right now in the People's Republic of California, you can't counsel those kids any other way. If they have this slight, it's like going to the auction, right? If you itch your nose, that's a bid. You know, I mean, it's literally that intense. 
And this is carefully choreographed. It's it's highly orchestrated. Bob, you're right. Democrats are all voting for this. Republicans are all voting against it. But when you've got 80 seats in the California State Assembly and 40 seats in the state Senate, and there's better, better than a two-third majority Democrat to Republican in each chamber, then you only know what's going to happen. It's only a matter of time before Gavin Newsom goes ahead and signs these things into law. It's all part of something that was put into place with the, uh, the this is the abortion uh, tourism spot and the gender reassignment tourism spot and these are all being i think this is the key to to understand this is all being done legally i mean i think when, when people start talking about insurrection and things like that you have to understand that when people are doing things legally like this there there's no moral basis for it whatsoever but there certainly is a legal basis for it the first order business obviously is to fight in the court and one way, I think that there are a couple of Christian guys in the California State Assembly a couple of years ago during the lockdowns, when Gavin Newsom had signed into law no fewer than 40 executive orders, and he did so illegally. You know, we're, we're going to mandate uh, masks here and shut down businesses, shut down churches. But then it even got into voting. You know, he authorized the mail-in voting thing. That wasn't his... Uh, call to make. The California state legislature eventually did so, but he was reprimanded and lost at the state Supreme Court twice on 47 different counts where he had overextended his authority. And so now you've got the governor of New Mexico going, oh, Gavin Newsom did that? Well, maybe I should do that too. Let's take away the Second Amendment. I mean, it, th- that's the slippery slope that we're on right now. And so, I mean, I, I'm, I'm certainly not talking about taking up clubs and torches as well. But when you look at this transgender issue, Bob, the irony, right, of the way this is worded, you know, uh, you're, you're no longer fit to be a parent. You're no longer capable of providing right. healthy <laughs> examples if you don't affirm gender, uh, genital mutilation of your child. Because of this crazy dysphoria, trust me, my six-year-old grandson would have a hook on his right hand if, if we went ahead with all the different things because he, he loves Peter Pan. He loves Captain Hook. He loves Transformers. He would love nothing more than take his insides out and turn into a giant robot, right? Because he's six and he has an imagination. No one would ever dream of doing that to his body. And yet, if a boy likes to play with a doll or something like that, you've got these crazy liberal parents who are saying, let's run to California and cut off all their stuff. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's insane what's happening here. I mean, it, it, and, it, and is. it really is crazy. I, I'm telling you, John, I get up and I say, I don't even recognize this country anymore that I'm living in. And I don't think this is hyperbole to suggest that if Joe Biden or really Gavin Newsom and Gretchen Whitmer, if they get in next year and we got four more years, uh, and especially if Democrats end up taking control of the House and maintain control of the Senate, I honestly, genuinely believe we're going to see a case where parents, Christian parents, have social services called on them by some guidance counselor at school Mm -hmm. because mom and dad are not affirming the puberty blockers for their little 11-year-old child. And then before you know it, some liberal judge says, we are taking your children away from you and putting them in foster care. And there's nothing legally you can do about it. And by the way, I'll tell you what right now. We're going to talk about it in the second half. When is it time to start defying governing authorities? I can tell you right now as a parent, for me, that would definitely be a line crossed. But I think that's coming. I really do. If we allow Democrats to continue maintaining power. Agree. And this whole idea of, well, first of all, before we continue on, it's why you shouldn't have your kids in public school. But that's another conversation probably for another podcast because that would – you know, go along with what you just said, Bob. But on top of that, this whole idea and what we've allowed these governors to do, you mentioned 
the governor of, of New Mexico and what she did with her executive orders. We have got to take that away from these governors. That all started with this COVID nonsense that we just allowed these guys to run willy-nilly wherever they wanted to with all these executive you know, powers and privileges and so on. That stuff has got to end. If we don't get back into some of the state constitutions and revise some of those things that give these governors, in my opinion, far too much power, uh, enough Bob to wear in her, like, like, like she said, Basically, you know, do away with the Constitution. I'm in charge now. That's a bunch of nonsense. I know. It is. And I, I tell you, I, I shudder to think what this country is going to is going to look like if they continue down this road. But it's not just that. we got individual freedoms and liberties being denied, of course. Uh, we're, we're seeing this happening more and more. COVID mask mandates and vaccine mandates. It looks like they're trying to creep their way back in as well, which is kind of, which by the way, Neil, I'm kind of curious your thoughts. If that ends up coming back full blown, uh, hey, we, we, we need mask mandates and vaccine mandates again and such like that. How do you think we ought to respond to that as Christians? How are, you're a pastor. How are churches going to respond? Because a lot of churches caved into this in 2020, I'm sorry to say, Far and too many. shut down and made their people wear masks in church and blah, blah, blah. I'm really kind of hoping that pastors this time are going to say, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. It's not going to happen. What are your thoughts about how churches and pastors are going to handle a so-called resurgence of the vaccine and mask mandates? Well, I hope we do a better job than we did in the first place. I think too many churches caved in and gave up the rights and freedoms that not only you know the state has provided for us but that god gave us the right to worship him freely and sometimes those things get challenged but you know this this really took on more than just like a health care this wasn't about health this was about controlling people and government was exerting control over people that it, it doesn't deserve to have and i think that as believers, we need to stand up against those kind of things and say, no, we answer to God, we don't answer to man, and we can we can have respect for laws and so forth, but we're not going to stop worshiping, we're not going to stop getting together. Uh, far too many churches really made a mistake there, and I think they're paying the price, and I think if you could get an honest conversation with a pastor, I've had a few who said, you know, would you do it differently if you had it all, you know, to do over again? And they said, yeah, absolutely. So I I think we've learned some lessons. I, I do think that the day is probably coming where we're going to see that kind of thing again. And it might actually be, you know, with the COVID resurgence right now, we've got a, a kind of a little wave going through New York. Uh, Hochul, Kathy Hochul's talking about the possibility of bringing back mask mandates. But I think the general public is fed up with this stuff. And I think we've got public opinion, for the most part, on our side. I think a lot of the fear has passed, and people are saying, look, what good did that do? That destroyed our economy, it destroyed our rights as human beings, and we don't want that. So I think the church would be on firmer footing to be able to just do what the church believes they need to do. And what are they going to do, put everybody in jail? I, I don't know. I, it's, it's troublesome. It could move in a direction that would be really worrisome for Christians and conservatives and so forth, but I, I, I'm not super worried about it right now. I don't think it's going to be a huge issue. I think people are going to push back. Yeah. You mean you are planning for that new podcast, Neil Boron Behind Bars? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> if I have time, because I do the QAnon thing as well, you know. Oh, there right. you go. <laughs> well, that's true. Neil Q. Boron, we forgot. Uh, hey, Roger, let me ask you, because you're also a pastor, certainly. And But one of the things that we, we also know is important, when we talk about sponsors to this podcast, you know, one of our sponsors is Wilson Financial. And obviously, as believers, we do want to be wise stewards with our money. We can multitask. We can talk about these issues going on in our country while at the same time getting 
getting our own household financial uh, house in order, if you will. And, and thankfully, Dennis Wilson does a phenomenal job with our listeners on that. It certainly does. And the number one reason why is because he does not encourage people to rely on the government to bail them out. I mean, it's, right. it's a certain measure of, you know, being a good steward with your resourcing that God has provided to you and then being in partnership with him and looking for financial investment opportunities that have security, that give you growth potential, that give you long-term care, which is a huge thing as we're all getting older. I mean, that's one of the, the biggest expenses people will have in retirement. And then, of course, the, uh, the what happens when you pass. And there are so many uh, alternatives that Dennis has to the traditional certificate of deposit or life insurance, you really owe it to yourself to check in with them. 800-696-9970 because, uh, or you just click on the Wilson Financial Advisors banner when you go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net because if we are waiting for the government to you know, give us our cues, I was reading an interesting uh, study, I think it was last week in Market Watch, about how childhood poverty is up in the United States. All of a sudden, it's the craziest thing and no one can figure it out. Well, the reason childhood poverty was heading down a few years ago was because the economy was improving and, and families were, you know, the rising tide and that type of thing. But then once COVID hit, all the child tax credit freebie handout money from the government put the childhood poverty rate down at 5%. Well, all those restrictions came off and now it's at 12%. So once again, if you're a family and you're sitting there saying to yourself, well, at least we're not in poverty anymore because the government's sending us free money. I mean, how long is that sustainable? I mean, there's a right. word for that, communism, you know, that, that eventually would take over the entire country and a pandemic type of situation. Don't you love the mask mandates coming back in when there's oodles of scientific proof that the masks didn't do anything in terms right. of spreading the, the thing, <laughs> the six foot, the hand sanitizers, all of that mumbo jumbo that they gave us. It didn't really work. If you're a pastor, look at your congregation and see what the health concerns are there. If you have a lot of elderly people there, a lot of people who might be compromised or vulnerable, and there's an outbreak of COVID, obviously use caution. But other than that, I mean, really, we're going to just kind of fold up like a crummy house of cards because we can't get together for 90 minutes a week because the governor says we can't. I mean, I unless, I'll tell you, yeah. I mean, the, the biblical mandate is pretty clear. And I think more and more churches, I heard from a lot of pastors during the pandemic saying, we're not advertising this, but we're still open. And, you know, it's, it's amazing how there are a lot of counties in California where, um, you know, the, the red counties, and there are quite a few of them, they're just smaller than the blue counties, where people said, yeah, you know, they, the supervisors would tell us these are guidelines, just stay safe and whatever, but we're not closing anything. I mean, right. they didn't shut the entire state down. It really does become, this is an opportunity for us to rise up and, and, and claim the liberties that we have and live in that freedom. Not because you're yep. trying to overthrow the government, you're just trying to live away the way according to what the law says we can do. So true, so true. And, you know, I, there's another issue that I want to bring up as well when talking about the surreal nature of, of this country and where we're heading. And that's basic things like, like elections. I mean, we, we've seen our elections being corrupted and manipulated by the Department of Justice, the FBI, the Democrats, social media, mainstream media, big tech, all of that. But I also look at these Trump lawsuits. I mean, this is no small thing here, okay? You've got several January 6th rioters, and they were still wrong. Nobody's defending them at all, okay? They didn't kill anybody. They didn't shoot anybody. They didn't set any fires. But look at how many years in prison they're getting. One of them just a couple of weeks ago got 22 years 
in prison. Okay, 22 years in prison. But if you look at the Biden administration's own Department of Justice statistics, your average murderer in America gets 17 and a half years. Your average rapist gets 7.2 years. Your average drug trafficker gets 17 months. And we're taking the idiots that stormed January 6th Capitol and we're putting them in prison for 15, 18, 22 years. Meanwhile, you got Black Lives Matter and Antifa, the rioters from 2020. What'd they do? They produced dozens of deaths, countless fires, destroyed buildings, injured over 2,000 police officers, threw bricks, rocks, explosive devices at them. They took over police stations, city blocks, federal courthouses. They even forced the President of the United States, Trump, to be ushered by Secret Service out of the Oval Office to an underground bunker for his safety. And you know something? Those rioters... Over 60% statistically of their cases were dismissed. Most of the rest of them had their charges reduced to misdemeanors. And of the few that were actually charged with crimes, their average sentence was 27 months. And that's what the Associated Press reported. Okay, 27 months. Trump is facing 91 felony charges totaling 717 years added up. This kind of... John, I got to tell you, again, I just do not even recognize... This country, it does kind of lead us toward the second half discussion when we'll get into, does there come a point to rise up against America? But I think people need to realize the unequal justice under the law that's happening in this country right now. The the problem is, Bob, we've fallen asleep as a country. I don't know how else to say it. And, you know, whose fault is it? I mean, we can point the fingers probably multiple different directions, not any one of the four of us, because we talk about this stuff on a daily basis and really try to Mm -hmm. educate people. But the reality is... We have become so, you know, blasé. I mean, I'm sorry to go this way, but just as an example, I had a conversation the other day on air just talking about the way Americans dress. I mean, look at the way we dress today versus the way we dressed even 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. I mean, any Well, John Federer. A, look at John I, Federer. Thank you. Well, and, and part of that came up because the Senate wants to change the rules for how you have to dress on the Senate floor if you're a senator because of Fetterman. I mean, basically, they want him to be allowed in with, with a hoodie and shorts on. I mean... That's what I'm talking about. We as a country have gotten so, call it whatever you want, but lazy. We don't pay attention to this stuff anymore, Bob. I know. I know. You're, you're absolutely right. And so here's what we're going to do. In the second half of this podcast, we're winding down the first half. In the second half, we're going to talk about how we respond. What do we do? How much farther do things have to go before we will be biblically and morally and ethically justified to put ourselves in the same category as our founding fathers, which said, that's it. We are rebelling against our government. We are taking up arms, if you will, against our government. Does there come a point in modern day where as Christians, we need to consider that? And what would that point be? I don't know, but we're going to try to explore that in the second half. Also, want to remind you folks that if you haven't given to preborn yet, I'm asking you to do that now, okay? And when you hear us talking about preborn, we're asking you, of course, to pay for ultrasound images, right? $28 saves one baby's life. You're paying for ultrasound images to stop one abortion, 28 bucks. So, how many babies' lives will you save? Take $28 times fill in the blank. But can I ask you also, I know that there are some of you in our audience that God has blessed you financially. And maybe you run a business, maybe you're looking for a nice tax write-off for the end of this year. We need some people out there, some heavy hitters, to purchase ultrasound machines. Uh, it costs $15,000 to buy one ultrasound machine for preborn. Do you know your forever legacy will be 
that you're responsible for saving the lives of thousands and thousands of babies. That's right. You will stop thousands of abortions with that one-time $15,000 gift to preborn. It's a tax write-off for you, and everything you give goes to ultrasounds and ultrasound machines. For the rest of you, we need $28 times fill in the blank, whatever number of babies' lives you're willing to save. So either either amount of this giving, here's how you do it. Go right now to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Click on Preborn. You can give right there. Or just call them 24-7, 833-850-BABY, 833-850-BABY. We appreciate you folks doing that. The second half is coming up next. Don't forget you can watch video of our podcast at MyHopeNow.com. Certainly follow them wherever you follow social media. And we'll dive into the tough discussion of when we rebel against the United States coming up in the second half. This has been a Crawford Media Group production. Continuing the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with all of the guys, Roger Marsh of The Bottom Line from the People's Republic of California, John Rush, Rush to Reason, out of Denver, Colorado, Neil Q. Boron, Neil Boron Live, Buffalo, New York, myself, Bob Duco, The Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. All right, so the first half, we talked about just how crazy and surreal the United States is getting, and we don't even recognize it anymore as American. And certainly as Christians, this country is getting more and more hostile to us, which then begs the question, does there become a time when it's justifiable ethically, morally, and biblically to actually rebel against the governing authorities, to consider taking up arms, if you will, against America? Uh, Look, I'm as patriotic as it gets. I think all of us are. But I do believe that there there is a line that can be crossed that justifies this. Uh, This was a huge debate going on at the founding of this nation. Remember, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, these were British citizens, okay? And these are people who, who, who made a decision that the line has been crossed, it's a bridge too far, and it's not now time to rebel against their government. And we see them as founding fathers. But if the U.S. had lost, then you know what? They would have been hanged as traitors. And so how do we look at this? Are we to that point yet? Are we close to that point? If we're not, what has to happen for us to still get there? Let's go around the table and talk about it. Roger, what what are your thoughts on this? How close are we to that that demarcation line? I don't think we're as close, perhaps, as some people might think, but I think we're closer than other people might think. I don't I don't try not to sound like I have the spiritual <laughs> hey, you gift. you running for office, are you? Well, no, I do, I do have the spiritual gift of ambivalence, that's for sure. But I, but I think, but in all honesty, it's the fact that we're having this conversation, I think, is very telling. The fact that we're even discussing something like this is telling to the fact that, you know, laws have been misapplied against people in America ever since the founding of the nation. So, I mean, in terms of, you know, some of the prison sentences and things of that nature, I don't know that it's necessarily the individual cases, but it's the overall attitude. Um, the one thing that I've always appreciated about our nation is religious liberty and that component part of the Constitution. And the reason, and ironically, I mean, it's, a, it's an amendment. It was something that wasn't even in the original document. But the religious liberty component basically, I think, is the linchpin on which everything else pivots. I mean, it's that pivot point where we don't have a national religion. You don't have to be any religion you don't want to be, but you can be whatever religion you do want to be. And that then informs our values and morals. And as we, as a, you know, I, I think, self-proclaimed and self-described Christian nation, have gotten to the point where fewer and fewer people are using that as the standard, then it's going to change the way we engage the culture. 
I mean, it really is going to put us in a situation where we can live by biblical values, obviously, but if we see the culture moving in a direction, like here in the People's Republic of California, where uh, laws have been passed now to basically call a parent unfit for not recommending gender mutilation of their children who may or may not have gender dysphoria, when you take a look at just that one case on the isolate itself, I mean, what about millstones around the necks of people who harm children? I mean, we, at some point we look at this and say, wait a minute, the, the, this is law? In, in, when would this ever be acceptable? I remember when the Bottom Line show started. We just hit our 12th anniversary last week. And when we first started, there was a story out of Oklahoma where there was a, a, a group of people who wanted to Im implement a Sharia court. In Oklahoma? Are you kidding me? But then you begin to realize, well, wait a minute. I mean, if you're a devout Muslim and you have a majority of Muslims living in a town, then they have to be run. I mean, they, they, that's the way they interpret uh, their, you know, the, the Quran. And I thought, well, this is crazy. It, it was shouted down and, and voted down in, in U.S. court. It never got a chance to be heard. But I thought, what, 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 wouldn't that just mess with people? Well, look at Minneapolis-St. Paul. Only Almost 50% of the population in Minneapolis right now are Muslim. And if they become a majority Muslim city then people are going to start messing with the Constitution. And at some point, it is going to potentially then not be a question of us saying we're going on the offensive, but maybe going on the defensive to try to defend what's here. So um, kind of an ambivalent answer here, but um, I think we're seeing the, uh, the, the signs of the potential for something like that happening where people would say, I think I do need to take up arms to try to take my country back. Well, you know what? We're going to go around and talk with Neil and John about this as well and try to figure out when that line becomes crossed. Uh, we're going to get to to the continuation of this discussion in just a moment. But, you know, one of the things that's so heartbreaking in, in looking at this land is the way that we continue to promote abortion. And I know a lot of you listening right now say, well, hey, I'm pro-life, but there's nothing I can really do, right? Actually, that's not true. There is something you can do. You know, Preborn is a pro-life ministry that's been around for a long time. And you know what they do? They're the ones who show ultrasound images of unborn babies to expectant moms in pro-life centers all across the country. And those moms statistically choose life when they see a picture of their baby. Now, they usually end up accepting the Lord too. So if you would just pay for some ultrasound images, you literally will be responsible for stopping abortion, saving babies' lives. $28 is the average cost to stop one abortion. 28 bucks through ultrasound images. How many babies' lives will you save? Take $28 times fill in the blank. Is it 10 babies? That's $280. Is it 100 babies? It's $2,800. Is it 1,000 babies? It's $28,000. I don't know what you can afford to give, but we're asking you to pray about a number. And 100% of what you give goes to fund ultrasounds, nothing for overhead. So you could do this online right now. Just go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on Preborn. CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on Preborn. You can give right there. And if you want to talk to a real-life person on the phone, they answer 24-7. So you can call right now, 833-850-BABY, 833-850-BABY. And we appreciate you folks doing this. And as we talk about the state of America and how unrecognizable it's becoming, when do we cross that line into justifiable taking up arms against the country? And so, Neil, let me ask you, like Roger, you're also a pastor. Uh, this is a really difficult issue to, to, to navigate. There's certainly, we need guidance and wisdom from the Holy Spirit. Our founding fathers went through. This was, a, this was a big debate going on among Christians and in churches when this country was founded. Has it risen to the level of 
rebelling against the governing authorities as we're instructed in Scripture not to, like in Romans 13. But there's got to come a point where it's a bridge too far for Christians. How do we figure out uh, how do we fa- figure out, Pastor Neil, where this line is crossed? Well, obviously things move quicker than we could ever imagine. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I remember as a kid looking at the comics in the newspaper, and there was that Dick Tracy thing, and he's looking at his watch, and he's talking to somebody on his watch, you know, seeing their face. I'm like, that'll never happen. Well, they're doing it now. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, it's unbelievable how fast things can change. But uh, to agree with what Roger basically said. Let me mention, I think it's a long way off because I don't think that, um, I don't think it's affecting the church as much as we think it is. Now we talk about this stuff all the, all the time. We, we talk about these issues. And so we're very aware of what's happening in places like California, like Roger was detailing earlier. And, uh, Bob, you've mentioned several of the things that, that appear to be real threats to freedom and to faith and so forth. But, Let's just look at the reality. I mean, we just celebrated, what, the 22nd or 3rd anniversary of 9-11. Churches were packed after 9-11 for about two months. And then the same decline that had begun prior to 9-11 happened after that and continues to this day. I mean, churches are relatively empty across the board compared to what they were in the 1930s or 40s or whatever. So, you know, are we living as Christians the way that we need to be right now? And and my, my question would be like, Okay, I've I've been to probably 25 or 30 National Day of Prayer events uh, over the last few decades. And the local ones, like here in Buffalo, New York, generally have about 100 people at them, 120. That's it. So these who's who's going to take up arms? I mean, the people won't even come out and pray. Now, I'm not trying to throw rocks at the church. Jesus Christ left us in charge. He wants the church of Jesus Christ to build the kingdom. But, you know, the reality is that some of our family members, our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers are going to spend eternity apart from God. But we haven't done anything about that. But let's take up arms against the government so we can get our politics right. It doesn't make any sense to me. I'm just saying I'm really struggling with the concept because I think there's so much more we could do. I mean, thank God for Alliance Defending Freedom. I'll talk more about that a little bit later. But, you know, groups that are are winning at the Supreme Court level, we can vote people out of office. I think this came up last week. We have a say in this. Why do we keep electing incumbents? Why do we let these people continue to lead us? Gavin Newsom should be gone. Kathy Hochul should be gone. These are the people that abused us during COVID. Why do we reelect these people? Mm. I just think that we have a lot of options before it ever comes to talking about taking up arms. However, you started talking about, you know, taking our children from us, taking our grandchildren from us. That might change the equation. And and maybe those days will come sooner than we could imagine because we feel like we're on the doorstep right now. But I just, I don't see it happening anytime soon. It is a worthwhile conversation, though. I think we need to have these kind of conversations. What do you think, John? How do you come down on all this? Unfortunately, and I think what Neil said is very true, and unfortunately, the church, when it comes to this whole taking up arms and rebelling, I hate to say this, they'll be the last ones to do it. You're going to see you know, all sorts of other patriots and individuals that probably have no faith at all, which is sad because it should be the faith-based community that should be the, the first ones to revolt. I hate to say this, guys. They'll be the last ones to revolt, and, and I don't like saying that, but that's the case because we've, again, we have lost even the basic teachings of civics in church, which at one time was one of the biggest things we taught on. We haven't done that in 
30 plus years now, and then we wonder why we're in the position we're in today. Well, and let me jump in, John. I don't disagree with what you're saying, and you've been a big advocate for that over the years, and I think what you're saying is 100% correct. But we've also lost the basic teaching of the church. I mean, there was a Barna study just came Agreed. out. Some of, you, some of you guys probably got this information just this last week from Barna. Four out of every 10 Christian parents say that the discipleship and the upbringing of their kids instilling a worldview, a biblical worldview in their children is not their responsibility. Four right. out of 10. Yeah. I mean, soon it's going to be, what, half? Then it'll or be more. three quarters? Yeah. yeah. So like, my point is, if we're not taking Christianity seriously and the things Jesus already told us to do, what's the point of fighting a war against the government? Because people are fallible. You know, if you're not for Jesus, you're against them. That's that's the words of Jesus, not mine. My point is you can put somebody in political office who has conservative values, but you're basically putting somebody in office who's an enemy of God. And I, I'm not saying politics don't matter. They certainly play a role, and I think we need to be actively involved in politics and these kind of conversations. But, what, I mean, I mentioned the National Day of Prayer. Where are people fasting? Where are they praying for the for the future of our nation? Are we praying for Congress to, for a, a revival in Congress, like the Second Great Awakening, you know, something like that to happen in our government? I don't see it happening in the church, and so we'll just resort to taking up arms. To me, it seems ludicrous. Anyway. Well, but yeah. part, of the, part of the challenge, and I know what you're saying, Neil, I agree with you. Uh, most of these people that call themselves Christians, when I look at these Barna polls, hey, here's what Christians say, we know this, all right? Most people that call themselves Christians aren't really. You know, this nominal Christianity, this lukewarm kind of, we are being kind of sifted down to a remnant. Christianity is being redefined in, in our culture and Western society today, unfortunately, into something that's nowhere close to biblical. So just because somebody straps a, a Christian label or name tag on themselves, sure. uh, they're not really followers of Christ, let alone biblical Christianity, certainly. Um, but it does it does make me wonder, though. Roger, let me ask you, when we talk about the possibility of rebelling against the government or taking up arms against, it's not that we would do that individually. Uh, it, it could happen if somebody tries to take, I mean, my kids are grown now, okay? But if my kids were little and somebody tried to come in and take my child because I was not going to gender affirm them, you know what? I'm going to end up in jail because I'm not going to physically let them take them. And so now I'm I'm defying governing authorities. But this would probably come down, Roger, to some kind of organized rebellion group. And Neil's right. It would probably, unfortunately, be a secular group, like, I don't know, Proud Boys or some patriot group or something like that. But I could see Christians saying, uh, look, my hope is in Jesus Christ. It's a shame those people aren't Christian, but I'm also American. And if they want to create a little pocket of conservative Christian friendly living in America, I don't know, maybe they convince South Carolina to secede from the union or something and and form militias and say, we'll take up arms if the federal government tries to come in here against us or whatever. If some kind of movement like that grew and developed and it was a very Christian friendly uh, movement that was developing, although maybe not Christian in its organization, but very Christian friendly and Christian welcoming. Uh, is that something? I mean, is that something that you might, as a pastor, ever consider possibly saying, you know what, I'm going to join that movement and move to such and such a state that's now going to be the Christian friendly state of America? Is that something that we could and should ever consider doing as our founding fathers did? I wouldn't, 
but I can see where other people would. And I, and one of the reasons why I say this is because there's an ongoing discussion. <laughs> I'd like to say it's a discussion. Maybe it's more of a, a war of words happening right now within the church about what it means to be an evangelical Christian. And basically the simple answer is um, you're not an evangelical Christian, a true one, if you voted for Donald Trump, you know, because Donald Trump's a terrible person and look what happened on mm. January 6th and blah, blah, right. blah. But there's an equal number, it seems, of people who are saying, hey, you're not really an evangelical if you don't support a guy like Trump. You know, let's go. People's Republic of South Carolina or whatever we're going to call it. I mean, let's, let, <laughs> let's, let's set up shop. I mean, if, let, let, let's do it. But I, I think it really has to, I mean, <clears throat> part of the, I know Neil keeps an eye on this too. I look at what's happening internationally with the church, you know, around the world and ask the question, you know, I mean, there are people who are of the Christian faith understandably in you know muslim theocracies or wherever where they're certainly the the underdog and it's hard for us to fathom what it's like to be in that kind of captivity and still maintain your faith and yet the church continues to not only thrive but to grow and here i think that the anomaly for us is we look at this and say wait a minute we were founded as a christian nation and we're losing that and so what are we willing to put on the line what are we are we going to go all in on this to defend this because god ordained this nation to be or is and and let's face it i mean where else have you seen a country a, a government established that says we hold these truths to be self-evident you know, these right. are inalienable rights. I mean, the, the the rights come from God. And so to make the spiritual appeal for it is more than just a, hey, I want America back, but rather to say, wait, if we believe that the real guts of this nation were ordained by God, now our battle isn't so much to preserve the Constitution. It's to say, well, God brought us here and God established this nation. And so we are we not doing his bidding, you know, by doing so? I hate to think that, it, and again, I'm not picking on South Carolina, but I hate to think that we would have to, uh, you know, go occupy some area and, and make that kind of the vortex for whatever else is happening. But at the same time, I think it really boils down to, you know, as Neil was saying, and John both made the points, you know, is there enough knowledge? Is there enough enthusiasm? Is there enough passion? I know it's frustrating. Rick Warren used to say uh, when he was pastoring at Saddleback Church, they would do these pastor's prayer breakfasts right before Easter. And he, he would always point out the statistic every year. He'd say, look, we could fill every seat, every pew, every spare folding chair on Easter Sunday of every church in Orange County, and we'd be reaching about 10% of the population. Yeah, you know, let's know. let's not no, let's not kid true. ourselves. I mean, as much as we no, talk about this being a Christian nation and whatever, uh, the Christian engagement isn't quite where our altruism wants. Well, to and be. we got to remember when we broke away from Great Britain. Uh, America wasn't created as some kind of theocracy where, hey, it's an officially a Christian nation. It wasn't, okay? But what it was, it was Christian-friendly, not Christian-hostile. And so really, even if it were a secular movement that created a South Carolina state or something like that, I don't know that the expectation for Christians, many of them would be, it has to be some kind of a theocracy founded upon Jesus Christ and the gospel, but just basically a, a place that's a safe place for Christians that's not a Christian hostile environment anymore where Christians don't have to be uh, afraid of raising their kids according to biblical principles and values and having them taken away and blah, blah, blah. But but it, it's, it's a fair discussion to have. In the meantime, though, we do still have Christian people in the legal field that are fighting on our behalf and fighting for the... If parents have their children taken away, then Neil, Alliance Defending Freedom is going to be going to court on behalf of those parents to fight for them. And that's why we're so thankful to have them as a sponsor to this podcast. 100%. And it's exactly what they do on a regular basis. Today's conversation 
you know, I'm sure is leaving some people feeling kind of confused about what exactly we're supposed to do. But Alliance Defending Freedom doing a lot for us, uh, fighting for freedom and uh, of values and parental freedom and, and religious rights and so forth and freedom of speech. $19 a month goes a really long way to protect and preserve our constitutional freedoms. And right now we ask you to give to ADF, click on the ADF button at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. They've got 4,000 lawyers who work together to protect our rights as Americans to live in worship and freedom. 15 crucial Supreme Court victories in just over a decade and dozens of cases on the state and local level as well. And they never charge a penny to the people they represent. So here's the question. Do free speech and parental rights and religious freedom matter to you? Well, I pray that they do, and they should, because the day may be coming when we could lose them. And I pray that we will value our freedom as seriously as those who fought and died to preserve it for us in the first place. So we're asking you for $19 a month, 63 cents a day. And you mentioned heavy hitters, Bob. Maybe somebody could give $1,000 today or $5,000. We need you to support Alliance Defending mm -hmm. Freedom. The response to this point has been relatively meager. So give today. Give before it's too late. Click on the ADF button at Crawford Media Group. Net. And can I just mention, too, that, you know, I, I want to sort of underscore what I said earlier. I don't think we've taken prayer seriously enough. Uh, fasting is a part of the equation. Do we really, I mean, we read these things in Scripture, but does it matter? Like, do we actually think that that could change America? Because I think the Bible is clear that it can. Uh, and then you read Hebrews 11, you know, these are the heroes of our faith. Why are they there? Because they laid their lives down. They're martyrs for the faith. Jesus was standing at the right hand of of the throne of God when Stephen was being stoned for his faith. And I just think we need to consider the words of Jesus in Matthew 5. It said, you know, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You know, being persecuted for righteousness sake is a, is a Christian value, actually. And I think we need to embrace some of that. Yes, voting matters. Yes, getting involved in the political process matters. But most importantly, we serve the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and our lives need to be sold out to him, period, bottom line. Well, there is no doubt about that. That is absolutely true. John, I am curious what you would do if, if it ever it continues down this road, things get worse and worse and worse. Imagine there was some kind of organized effort to take one of the states, I don't know, Texas, South Carolina, I don't know, pick a state, mm -hmm. but it basically becomes a state where it's like, we are going to secede. And our militias are going to stand on the border and don't go to war with us because we will fight back. But this is going to be a place that's, that's based on the principles, uh, biblical principles and values, more similar to the founding of this nation. And it's a place basically where not just political conservatives, but born-again evangelical Christians can feel safe and comfortable and live their lives. It basically becomes a safe place. Now, I get what Neil's saying about, hey, persecution for Christ's sake is something we're to expect. I get that. But does that mean that we don't deliberately try to improve the atmosphere so we can reduce persecution for Christians if possible? If we can do that, do sure. that's part of what our founding fathers that's, were doing. They were reducing the, the persecution right. of Christians. It's so, the structure I, of our country, which we cannot forget it's how this republic was started in the first place now right. if something like what you were to just say bob happened where a state does something like that first of all you'd see a mass entrance of a lot of patriot individuals to that state while seeing also an exodus of people that may not agree with that so i think you'd see a huge changeover of individuals it would you're yeah, right once an announcement like that were to be made you'd see a huge changeover of the citizenry of that particular state right off the bat yeah, will it come to that? 
I guess my I'm like Neil. My prayer is I hope not. I really hope that we can get past some of these things through, you know, even what we do on a daily basis, educating people, getting people to wake up, the churches themselves, all these things in combination with one another to really get people to understand where we are as a country and the fact that this is a good versus evil fight. And I think that's the one thing that I mm-hmm. keep mentioning almost daily on my program. And guys, again, you guys hear me say this all the time. The left is evil. I'm not saying the right is totally good, but at least our our policies and the things that we stand for as far as, you know, self-reliance, liberty, uh, you know, the, the, the ability to believe in whatever you want to believe in and worship accordingly. I mean, the things that our side stands for versus what the other side stands for, it really is truly good versus evil. And we cannot forget that. We've got to keep letting people know that because everything happening on the Democrat side is of the devil. I don't care what anybody says. It is truly satanic in and of itself. And, 30 and you seconds, Bob. I, I just got to... Yeah, go yeah, ahead. please, Neil. You know, I, my worldview on this whole question of like a separate state for Christians with the highest ideal being our personal comfort is like ridiculous. And the reason... Well, I not the highest is, ideal. Not the uh, highest uh, ideal, okay. but, but one of the know, branches on the tree. I think... If we're honest, our worldview on that question should have been formed in Sunday school when we were singing, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no, I'm going to let it shine. Personal comfort for Christians and stuff is really not supposed to be even in our conversation. The kingdom of God is advancing, the true kingdom of God. We're watching this happen in other parts of the world that was brought up earlier, and the kingdom will advance. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the kingdom of God. I don't think we need to live in fear. I think we need to live for Christ and allow him to work out the results, whether it, it ends in our martyrdom or whatever. Jesus will take care of us, and our reward's in heaven anyway. It's not here. Okay, now let me let me play, pardon the term, devil's advocate for a moment. Is that the argument that you would have used 250 years ago with our founding fathers? You know, I don't know the answer to that question. I wasn't alive, but really that war was largely about a 3% tax, but I think most importantly it was about religious freedom. So, uh, you know... Yeah, I mean, what, it was both. It was religious freedom was and taxation without representation were, were I mean, we, two we, of the biggest components. We have warm thoughts about the Revolutionary War and what it accomplished for us as Americans. Good Lord, we've lived, we've basked in the uh, fruit of that whole thing. Right. But but honestly, maybe was it really of God originally? Well, you know what the enemy means for evil, God can use for good. So right. I don't know. I, I think I, that there's kind of a mix. I think it's fair, I know. So, and it's that. a fair debate. I'll tell you what, they, they know they debated it. Christians and churches were debating this a lot back then. And I think there's fair arguments to make on both sides. Obviously, one of the things that we want to do, though, when listening to this podcast, we want you to support our sponsors, and we want you to get your financial houses in order. As you support Preborn, as you support ADF, you got to make sure that financially you're in good shape in your own home. And Roger, this is what Wilson Financial does for our listeners. Absolutely. Uh, taking responsibility for it, it's between us and God in terms of the monies that have been allotted to us, and uh, we are to be good stewards with them. And Dennis Wilson, for over 50 years, has been helping believers and helping un- some unbelievers too, but mostly believers, uh, steward your money properly so that you can make it through your retirement, so you can leave a legacy. Scripture tells us uh, you know, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. You want to be financially sound. And in these crazy mixed up times it's nice to know that the stock market can go way up or way down and you're not looking at a 401k that became a 201k overnight and that's why you want to contact dennis wilson at wilson financial 800-696-9970 or click on the wilson financial advisors banner at crawfordmediagroup.net because uh, uh it's it's a stewardship issue for sure it, it really is it really is and when you get that financial house in order remember we want you to 
help stop abortions too, because there is a lot of evil that's going on in the world. And, you know, and John is absolutely right. This is good versus evil. And you know something? Uh, it is evil to want to butcher babies inside their mother's womb, to want to burn them alive, to want to rip their, their limbs off, to kill them for profit. This goes on in real life, but we can stop this to whatever measure we can by paying for ultrasound images. If you pay for ultrasound images for preborn to show these women, they choose life almost all the time. They usually end up accepting the Lord too. So that's why we're asking everybody listening right now, if you have not given to preborn yet, would you purpose to do that right now? Take $28, which is the average cost to stop one abortion. Take $28 times fill in the blank. What number is God laying on your heart? How many babies' lives do you want to save? Is it 10 babies, 50 babies, 100 babies, 1,000 babies, whatever you can afford? $28 times fill in the blank. We need people that can give small amounts. We need heavy hitters that can give big amounts. And by the way, we need some of you out there that can buy ultrasound machines for $15,000 a piece. And your legacy will be saving thousands of lives. But uh, here's how you give. Go right now to CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Click on Preborn. CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on Preborn, and you can give right there. It's a tax write-off, and 100% of what you give goes to ultrasounds, nothing for overhead. If you want to give over the phone, they answer the phones 24-7, 833-850-BABY, 833-850-BABY. Just mention National Crawford Roundtable when you call. We appreciate you folks doing that and supporting our sponsors. We appreciate you giving us your five-star reviews wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you want, want to watch video of us, you can do that at myhopenow.com and certainly follow My Hope Now wherever you follow your social media. And John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live, Buffalo, New York. Roger Marsh, the bottom line from the People's Republic of California. Myself, Bob Duco, the Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. Guys, always great catching up with you. Thank you so much. Likewise. Too. Thanks, Bob. Hey, we'll see you. Thanks for listening, everybody. God bless. You've been listening to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. A view of today's culture through a biblical lens. Brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn logo to donate to save babies now. Alliance Defending Freedom, protecting your God-given right to live and speak the truth. Your generous financial support makes it possible for ADF to defend religious liberty, the sanctity of human life, freedom of speech, and marriage and family in America and around the world. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the ADF logo to give your financial support. Wilson Financial Advisors, over 50 years of financial expertise and success, helping you build confidence in your financial future. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Wilson Financial Services logo to learn more. You can download this podcast from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. From your local Crawford Media Group station or at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. And you can watch video of the podcast at MyHopeNow.com. Be sure to follow My Hope Now wherever you follow social media. And please give this podcast a five-star rating on your Apple app. Look for the notification on your app for when the next weekly edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast is ready for you to download. This is a Crawford Media Group production.